The Perfectly Generic Podcast contains spoilers, occasional adult language, and Vriska. You've been warned. The music for this episode is by James Roach on the Pester Quest soundtrack. You can find his previous album, Hive Swap Friend Sim, on homestock.bandcamp.com. This show is listener-supported, and I want to thank our Crocker Tier patrons, Art, Reed Starbound Blues Ruby, Big Boss Did Nothing Wrong, Bowkind Abstrata, Christian Labrio, Goomba Masta, Isaac Alexander, Jacob King, Justin Cope, Legfish, Reed Umaneko When They Cry, Riglow, and Watch Revolutionary Girl Lutena for their support per episode. You can find out more at patreon.com slash pgenpod. I'm having a podcast and the podcast is you. This is the perfectly generic. That's a shitty introduction. <laughs> even, even by my standards. I'm just I'm just in the mood to love and celebrate all of Toby Fox's works, even his um his Homestuck Impreg album. God, I'm so proud of that boy. He's doing so well. <laughs> proud of that kid, Sans Undertale. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm real proud. He's, you know, he's really coming up in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is the Perfectly Generic Podcast. This is episode 54. I'm your host, Kate Mitchell. Uh, I'm here with Aisha Ufara, um, the the eternal president of Homestuck. <laughs> the new the, the new Andrew Hussey. Yep, that's me. <laughs> um, and uh, and you know it was a light week. Really, not a lot going on. Um, yeah, in home no stuff content. Yeah, no content at all. Um, so let's talk about other stuff instead. Uh, for example, uh, in the world of Homestuck adjacent media, the Steven Universe movie came out this week. Um, that was really good. I still haven't seen it. God. Uh, yeah, I, I know. cried. I need to get. I need to get around to watching it. I know that there's, you know, like old school animate like the main villain is like old school animation style which is very cool um, yeah she's pretty clearly based on steamboat willie i think and um, i know there's which, an electro swing villain song so like i know yes. i'm gonna like it i'm just taking my time yeah it's like be prepared level disney good so it's one of the best villain songs ever ah, i think all right excellent um and then also, of course, as we were talking about at the top, uh, Sans Undertale is in Smash now. Um, you can fight Cloud Strife as Sans Undertale for the low, low oh price of 75 cents. Um, I can't. I was at my coffee job when that got announced. And then I checked my Twitter after putting some bread on a shelf. And it was all just Sans, Sans, Sans. Undertale, Sans, Megalovania, and I was like, what happened? <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely surreal to, like, see Mashiro Sakurai saying, Toby Fox came to my house and beat me at Smash while Megalovania played in the background loud enough that you almost couldn't hear him. It was one of those God. moments where it's just like, are we taking over the culture? Well, I think it's only a matter of time now that we have Riska in Smash. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we gotta... We gotta have a, a full character for Vriska. We need all of her Im- incredible moves. Yeah. What what character in Smash kins Vriska the hardest? Hmm. Young Link. <laughs> what? Hold on. What? I do not. I do not accept constructive criticism. You're not going to explain yourself on this one. All right. Well, listeners, feel free to let me know what character in Smash you think kins Vriska the most. All right. Let's talk about the thing that actually happened this week, which was. Uh, volumes one and two of Pester Quest, uh, the sequel to Friend Sim, the next visual novel in the Homestuck universe came out. Uh, you're the director. How's it? Yeah. yeah. How, how's how's it feel? What's the vibe? Vibe check. Oh, the vibe has been really surreal. It's when we debuted at number one on the indie charts and number four globally or whatever, eight, whatever it was. I was just like. Uh, I guess magic is fucking real. Yeah, the highest I um, saw it was four, and it hung around on the top twenty-five all day. Yeah, and it's still on. Um, I think it's still on the chart that is uh, decided by people's wish lists. Nice. Um, so it's still on the front page. Homestuck is a story about wishes. That's true. <laughs> Miracles, man. <laughs> Miracles. Um, How do they work? <laughs> I, you know, the, the thing about that song, let's, let's ignore Pester Quest <laughs> and go on a 15 minute sidebar about Juggalos. Okay, um, that's fine. Yeah. Um, the thing about that song is, you know, I think people got unreasonably mad at it. Um, 
you know, I thought it was, in general, it was not an anti-science song. It was saying that things in nature are so spectacular as to be indistinguishable from miracles. And the study of them is awe-inspiring. That video kicks ass. It does kick ass. It rules. Shoutouts to Aeromancery, who will certainly be enjoying me saying that an ICP thing unironically rules. I'm pretty sure that when... Andrew was here last time when we had our New Year's Eve party. We watched that video. It sounds like the sort of thing that you do with Andrew. I feel like yeah. most of our conversations end up... Being about clowns? End up being about clowns, yeah. Yeah. I'm a bit of a clown enabler. God. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> I certainly didn't see it coming, but now I remember... I'm- our first conversation, you told me that you're Gamzee-phobic, and now how the I'm worm still has Gam- turned. Let me be clear. I'm still extraordinarily Gamzee-phobic. I just don't think that Gamzee is an accurate representation of what a clown can be. That's true. You know, if you look at every... All of us have a little bit of clown inside us. Um, some of us more than others. Uh, and, and, you know, clownery is a way that we can, we can shed shame and embrace our full potential. Um, That's true. And... and like Gamzee, he only uses clownery to live in a society more. And that's yeah, that's like, true. <laughs> like the Joker. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Joker definitely kins Gamzee. Yeah, the Joker absolutely kins Gamzee. I so I watched that trailer for the new Joker movie and I was like, this looks really good. And then I logged on to online and all the worst people in the world were all like, this looks really good. And then I got really sad. Yeah. So you're not allowed to like things that I also <laughs> like. Yeah. This is the fundamental problem with clowns, right? Is that to embrace clownery is to be associated with the Gamses of the world. Right. Well, it's kind of, it's like Fight Club. And it's like, the point of Fight Club got so buried in the people who did not get it. Like, all these frat boys love Fight Club because yeah. they think that it's unironically presenting them with their worldview. Yeah. That, when you know, really ma- it's like, this is garbage. We can only reclaim masculinity by punching each other in a basement. I started laughing right. because I was picturing a clown Fight Club where they're, like, <gasps> hitting each other oh with God. big rubber mallets and shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is our next game. I feel like I feel like that's clown sort of... fighting game. That's basically what Whistles is, right? Like, there's a... Like, <laughs> it's a circus that underground has, like, a horrible combat ring where the losers get eaten. You haven't God. read Whistles, because you're... Because you... Because I'm a, I'm a fake fan. You're We've a fake Andrew it. fan. You're, yeah. <laughs> Andrew, I got a lot of... I got a lot of stuff to do, okay? <laughs> I'm kind of busy. And what do you mean an unfinished graphic novel about about clown cannibalism is it not the top of your priority list (laughs) (laughs) so far this pester quest episode is going great what 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 the fuck did you think was gonna happen Uh, no whenever the two i'm surprised neither of us has brought up erin yet but now i just did bam Uh, um um so so volume so volume one came out so so msp a reader is alive finishing homestuck so I guess we see sort of a divergence from from canon space. Actually, no way we don't, because in MSP Reader Mental Breakdown, we never actually see them shoot themselves. That's true. So it seems like they they decided against it. They went to go find Doc Scratch, and then they fucked up everything as per usual. Yeah, and initially we were gonna have like we were gonna involve the stump and the and the gun, but I, I feel like that there's already been enough graphic suicide scenes recently uh so we kind of just skipped that <laughs> yeah that's fair it could have been like a persona thing yeah could be they only <laughs> i can't they believe only i just suggested that they only shot themselves in the head in one game though okay well that's that shows how much i know about anime yeah <laughs> it was pretty metal though it seems it seems pretty metal but msp yeah. reader instead went the mundane route of finding something in a hallway yeah, I mean, it's oh, also is that, easier. Is that like a Yonic thing? Are we in the era of Yonic <laughs> symbolism now? I mean, I think we're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> Homestuck has been ruled by the tyranny of the dick for far too long. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, with Dirk with Dirk in the narrative uh, seat, we're, I feel like that's going to keep going for at least a little while. Ah, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, so he, far, he fucked I, off to space, right? Yeah, yeah, whatever. So far, I've enjoyed... 
uh, Pester Quest because it's Homestuck free from the it's so far it's a Dirk free Homestuck experience. Yeah, it's um, a Dirk free zone. Yeah, Homestuck is a no uh, Pester Quest is a no Dirk zone. Um, <laughs> so uh, the first question, let's let's talk about the origin. Sorted condition asked on Discord: uh, How slash when was Pester Quest conceived? I think it was conceived in DMs like last December, right after we finished Friendsim. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting, me and Andrew are like, okay, so th- that went pretty well. <laughs> uh, should we do it again? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just were like, well, obviously, everybody's kind of had kind of been clamoring for a Homestuck Friendsim. Um, and people were doing fan, fan Sims and stuff with all of their favorite characters and i was like no reason that msp reader can't hang out with those crazy kids and after that we sort of andrew wrote the first script pretty early mm-hmm. before we really even had a concept for it and i kind of went back in and tied it into the um main plot of pest request which we have really yet to discover i guess yeah um but yeah i wrote the prologue and i wrote some stuff here and there. Like I wrote the instant death ending with dad. Um, Stern fatherly disapproval. Yeah. Cause that's the worst. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And then we, yeah, it was basically just like, and then I went to the team and was like, Hey, so you guys want to make another one? And they were like, yeah, you're right. And that's, that's how we did that. Yeah. And so the second part of that question was what was the process for finding writers and artists? Like there are a few new names on the list this time. Um, I, I, I've heard. I've been told that there might be some new writers. <laughs> Mostly it was just people that I met through um, Homestuck Twitter, mm-hmm. mostly. People who I've met through fandom. So mm-hmm. I, I had a far smaller circle of writers to pull from in Friendsim because it was kind of just people that I knew so far. And then I met all these new people through uh, Friendsim. And there's just a really talented group of fans out there working nowadays. It's true. Uh, it's true. We, it's, it's like, it, you know, every, you, I'm constantly looking over my shoulder like, holy shit, these kids are so talented. I got to keep fucking running. God, I know. I'm I'm 30 and there's all these 23-year-olds who write on the same level as I do. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Well. It's, you know, you, <laughs> you've got you've got you've got experience. Yeah, that's true. And also the, you know, the inherent superiority of sitting in the chair right now. For somebody that's true. for somebody to get you, they have to pick you up out of the chair. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm in this chair. I'm pretty heavy. You have an incumbency advantage. <laughs> that's true. Um Xandrax of Nebulon asks on Discord, what do you think about Pester Quest assuming to a certain degree that players have read Homestuck? Do you think that in the future there might come a point at which the sheer volume of Homestuck content might become impossible to absorb for new fans and might become too difficult to keep a handle on for all but the most devoted? Should we be making more stuff as an entry point or without the requirement of having read slash played previous content to keep the continuity balanced in a way? Well, I kind of think that Homestuck in itself is already too much volume for anyone to get into. <laughs> yeah, and yet people do it. It's already too much. It's it's been too much for years. Yeah. Um I, I that has the same I, tenor to me of being like, well, how can I start reading comics when there's been 90 years of Spider-Man or whatever? <laughs> I know it's not one. 90 years. Please don't correct me. <laughs> just just pick one, buddy. I think I I did write past request assuming that you've read Homestuck. Mm -hmm. I think that it would be very hard to go in completely cold without anything. I feel like if you've played Friendsim, though, and haven't read Homestuck, then you could, it would be fine. Mm -hmm. And this was something... I feel like you you miss a lot, but, you you know. Yeah. And this was something I thought a lot about with Snowbound Blood, because, uh, you know, Vast Air is already 900 pages or something, and it's only going to get longer. And I was like, well, let's give people another onboard spot where they can like see what we're doing in 20, like how we're doing in 2019 um, and get another way in. And obviously it's enriched if you know, if you've read the comic ex- itself, but like, I, I think that people can enjoy Pester Quest, even if they are just getting on the Homestuck train, um, you know, visual yeah. novels and stuff are, are always more accessible and it's, you know, I there's think significantly less um, uh, fetch modus 
Yeah, there's less Fuckery. fucking around in a room. Even though, like, the John route is pretty much just fucking around in a room. Um. <laughs> yeah, God, people were complaining about the John route, and I was like, do you guys not remember Act One? Yeah, I saw a piece this of is- I saw a piece of feedback that was like. Um, like the, I'm sure you enjoyed this one, which was like the Rose characterization was spot on, but John just seemed way out of character. <laughs> like, and, yeah, you know, Andrew these new writers, this, this new writer, Andrew Hussey, just has no handle on John Egbert at all. This little this, you know, this young kid, yeah. this up and comer. I just thought it was very it was just peak Andrew. Yeah. With his writing, which is. Lots, lots of words Mm -hmm. and not a lot of forward momentum. Well, there was an absolutely massive amount of of religious symbolism in this one, which I found nice and nice and juicy to to sink my incisors into. Why am I doing this? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, not that Andrew doesn't do forward momentum, but Mm -hmm. usually his style of... Um, let me just riff a little bit on Andrew Hussey's uh, writing style. Yeah. Um, Andrew's uh, plot movement style is usually mainly visual. Yeah. Um, big plot events in Homestuck happen uh, via either flashes or GIFs. I I think that his writing excels in like character depth. Mm-hmm. That's how you get to know the people through. A lot of times at Homestucks, you find out stuff happens because characters who have already internalized the event discuss it in the past tense. Right. Which I, I think is very fascinating. But it's it's very matter of fact, the way that these things get advanced. Also, I'm absolutely certain that like when when the narrative text started talking about Lucifer, optimistic duelist nut. <laughs> <laughs> I think he came to me and, and talked to me a little bit about the all the witch and wizard stuff in Rose's route. And uh-huh. I was like, yep. This is peak. This is Taz bait. Yeah, it's it's so it's sometimes you just write something. And you're like, this is Taz bait. This is, this is great. This Might guy's be Lucifer himself. Up. Yeah, I write. I write for Taz. <laughs> and I write for I write for the lesbians and Taz only. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good, yeah. I feel like that's a good person. A good uh, demographic. Yeah, exactly. I write for one boy and every Wallowa in the world. <laughs> um. Banjo Kazooie asks on Discord. First off, great name. Kazooie is my wife. Art for major characters has to be really tricky to nail down, considering everyone has different interpretations of how they look. For Pester Quest, was there a lot of back and forth between the directors and artists on how each character should be drawn, or were the artists given free reign on interpreting the characters in whatever way they see fit? Um. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes to all of that. I guess. Uh huh. Um. So yeah, this was a uh I'm gonna I'm gonna level with you guys. This was a thing that I thought about a lot. Um and even me and you came to blows a couple times on it. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> um yeah, as happens when you work with anybody yeah. on any creative project yeah. uh, that you care about. Um so going into the project, I had fantasies of completely doing away with the sprite the the sprite work as it currently stands Mm -hmm. i wanted to give the characters canon races and then i realized after talking to some people that like no this is a 10 year old ip and i literally am not allowed to do that Mm -hmm. i have to keep like one of the rules laid down was we have to keep the sprites as the canon homestuck sprites Mm -hmm. um so and and even after um, knowing that I had to do that, I was like, okay, well, now I basically want to let the artists draw the characters however they want. Um, and all of our sprite artists are people of color. Um, and, and I'm mixed race. I feel like most people know that. <laughs> um, and, and then I, I started thinking about it and I was like, and, and, it, and I, I had come up with like, races that I wanted to make the kids. But then I started to think about how kind of weird that was, that it was just going to be like my headcanon of what races the kids are mm-hmm. and like how potentially loaded that is. And like sitting down and picking up these characters that have, have had headcanons for years um, and just kind of assigning them races is just like, it, it just opens up this whole 
it could just get very problematic is what I'm trying to say. Uh Um, And I don't want to say like, if I made Dave, if we made Dave black, I don't want to erase some Latino kids headcanon Mm -hmm. of Latino Dave. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, it's going to have like, so I want to make, I've always like imagined Jake as Arab. I love Arab Jake because Mm -hmm. I'm Arab. Um, But then there's the inherent problematic of making the kid who's obsessed with guns the Arab kid, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, and it, and it really came down to, okay, I'm going to let, I'm going to let the artist decide what they want the characters to look like. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that said, I don't think John looks very white. No. Um, and Rose, I know that there's a another question that was asked about, like, how saying that Rose has blonde hair is, like, affirming that she's white. I don't, that's not true. My hair was dyed red when I was 13. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Question. Yeah. I didn't put that question in the outline because uh, it's solved by a simple fact of, have you ever been in a store and walked in the hair dye aisle? I don't know if right. you know, and but it's al- very accessible. Also, you'll notice that her um, eyebrows are thick and dark. Um, wrinkly, wrinkly, pa- Partly just because, I mean, partly because it looks better. Uh-huh. Um, but also, so are Dave's. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so... Basically, there. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Homestuck does not have a rocky relationship with race. Yeah, like it's, I'm it's, not gonna, it's not your job to pretend it doesn't. You know, right? Um, but and I'm not going to say that there's no inherent, there's no issue with like a racial scare quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, because a racial in a lot of people's minds equals white. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, and, and, you know, default body type to a lot of people act equal skinny. Yeah. Uh, because that's, that's the world we live in and that's what you see on TV. Um, but I, I know that the initial intent behind the characters looking the way they do is that, and this is especially true, was especially true in 2009, is that you don't know what your internet friends look like. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I always um, think of them as sort of like, they're like they're they're platonic solid humans. Yes, they're the platonic ideal of kid. Yeah, kind of. Just like dad is the platonic ideal of dad. Yeah. Even though most dads don't smoke pipes nowadays. Right. But there's or, this. Or there, there's like a. It's a visual shorthand that like. Right. Exactly. Every Homestuck character is built around using the fewest number of details possible to communicate what they are. Right. And that's really hard when you move from like sprite work to like anime as fuck looking visual novels. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're trying to walk the line of still keeping the native homestuck visual language, but also giving the kids, making them interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the two artists, sprite artists we've had so far that we've seen have did a great job of that. Yeah. I think they both look great and uh, are very expressive. Um, and, uh, it, it, you know, it was a decision that had to be made. I, I'm confident that it was the right one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I know some people might not agree with that and I'm, you know, I, I sympathize with that and I, and I get why. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's, that's also the thing about sort of any decision you make in the homestuck world is that, um, these characters have meant so much to people and been expressed so many different ways for a decade that I think it's very easy to have a knee jerk negative reaction when something isn't exactly how you imagined it for the last decade. Um, right. And, you know, I want people to examine that, that dissonance and that feeling. And I, I don't want people to treat it as a discouragement for continuing to make the things that they want to see and interpret the characters the way that they want to see them. Um, oh, right. Absolutely not. I've, I've retweeted a bunch of, I've retweeted recently, like screenshot redraws with, you know, with white Johns, with black Johns, with brown Johns, with, I mean, like with Junes. <laughs> Yeah, or Junes, yes. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people who've been redoing the sprites as June, which I love. Mm-hmm. Not, to, you know, because because uh, John and his mailman problems. Yeah, right. John John is just now discovering that somebody who says that they are a mailman might not be a mailman. <laughs> Actually, true. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew was like, yeah, I wrote this before the um, the June the June thing. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't think you have to worry about, uh, about, 
it not coming through. <laughs> yeah, the thing about the thing about Andrew's writing is that uh, it doesn't take one specific headcanon for it to be absolute. This whole thing smacks of gender. I say as I yeah. turn the barbecue that like right and. And I have to give, I got to give a homestuck its props when I say that it's been, it's been problematic with race. It has always been pretty good at gender. Homestuck is absolutely, I mean, homestuck and problems with before were just absolutely drenched in gender. Like, yeah, basically every moment has some sort of intentional gendered symbolism to it. And there's characters whose entire purpose is to subvert fictional gender stereotypes. Creating a bisexual intersex um, alien race to interact with teens from the internet is like fucking inspired. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in 2009. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like, right. That's that's part of what is drawn, what drew me to Homestuck and what kept me there for so long was like just how fascinating it is to like peel it apart from the gender angle and and think about it. And, um, you know, the recent popularity of the of the June headcanon and then the, the, the magic Toblerone um, like, you know, I, I think that all of us in the audience who are trans had big, big feelings about Homestuck, um, in the past. And, you know, it, even if they hadn't coalesced on one character or another in particular, like when I, um, came into the epilogues, I was, uh, I was, uh, surprised by Roxy. Um, and in a way that, that, uh, you know, I was, I, I hadn't thought of Roxy as trans in that way before um and i had uh what i think some people also had and what i was talking about earlier that like knee-jerk reaction of wait that's not right that's not how it is in my head um right and and you know uh you you have two choices there right like you can either fill your diaper online about it or you can get over yourself because it's a story and the character didn't do the thing you wanted right (laughs) or or you could write like you could write you know DMAB Roxy fanfic. Yeah, exactly. And that's also fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's I mean, like I personally, thing, I personally choose not to do it, and I, I dropped my Roxy as a trans woman thing just because, like, I, I don't want to take this moment where, like, trans men got this explicit textual representation in Homestuck and be like, well, what about me, though? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's boring. Um, you know, I, I obviously... Uh, would love for there to be a you know a trans feminine story in Homestuck um or Hive Swap or the universe at large at some point <laughs> just any any anyone any, besides Loop from Adventure Zone is that a Homestuck <laughs> universe one other trans woman oh i meant the Homestuck universe not oh. in general <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I am aware that trans women exist outside of Homestuck, but as of so as as of yet, we have no evidence that they exist in it. Um, except Nervous Broad, right? Well, yeah, except except the Nervous Broad and uh, Hysterical Dame, um, which are <laughs> great, great representation. Great representation. Well, you know, I I have a lot of thoughts about the about gender and problem sleuth that I'll maybe talk about with you once you've actually read it. Oh yeah, <laughs> jokes. Ah, good. Um, I'm sorry to roast you so hard about that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll read it on stream or something. Uh huh. We could raise some money for uh, the charity for people shot by twenties mobsters. <laughs> <laughs> um, fucking. So let's talk about the John route. Uh, I, I lo- man, I love that kid. He's a good kid. The I I loved I just loved how basically immediately trusting they were of MSP reader, um, John and MSP reader they got they got one brain cell to pass back and forth between the two of them. Yeah, the thing that I kept thinking with that screenshot when they're behind the text box watching the um, epilogue kids was just like that sheriff you don't think meme. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. <laughs> the, the the idiot express is on yeah. the way. <laughs> um it's, you know, uh also to watch John's like John is a cata- is a like massive assumer. Um, yep. John immediate like takes in a scene, immediately makes an assumption on that, and then just just sprints off with that assumption. Um, you know that assumption being either with that you know like MSP reader is a mailman um, that uh, like 
hit the future, the glimpse of the future weird pajamas means that he's he's joined a traveling troupe of performers. Yeah. <laughs> like, John... I hear those kids talking about English. Maybe I'm teaching them. Maybe they're, they speak a foreign language. Uh, like, like, John... John is very clever, but what he he uses that cleverness to like zero in on one idea and then just go like one track full steam ahead on that idea. Yeah. An expert at compartmentalizing. Yeah, he's very sassy and he's he's very um also I think that John is a little is is not very good with strangers. Mm-hmm. Is something I, I he always is a little bit like much much like so when he starts riffing with dave uh-huh. he's he can like give as good as he gets and with rose but like with new people he's always a little like uh how do i handle this especially women yeah <laughs> me, me too john yeah <laughs> um yeah it's it's um john John, like uh, around new people, and this is this is this is funny what I'm about to say. But John, around new people, very much defaults into being the straight man. Um, yep, <laughs> and, which is actually like which is actually like not a role that he's super comfortable in. Like he's a jokester. He's a bit of a bitch. Like he he there's that constant struggle between like trying to be normal. And and react to strange people normally with the like actual internal desire to be weird as shit and like constantly clown on people. Right. I mean, when your best friends are the Strylons, sometimes you have to be the straight man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. I mean, you know, John, that's the thing is that John uh, John has that Kermit energy where um, yeah. he's surrounded by these figures that are weirder than him. And like somebody's got somebody's got to keep the, sh- the the fucking show on the road. Yeah, John would have been the class clown in any group besides a group with Dave and Rose in it. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know, in the compared to the like outright prickliness and meanness that the Durst kids can show, um, a lot of people really underestimate like how much like John and Jade can be bitchy. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean John. John can get very nasty. Yeah, and you know, as can as can Jane and Jake. Um, people mm-hmm. underestimate the capacity of all four of them to like be mean um, because they're they're much better at putting on a bubbly exterior about it, or you know, right, an innocent face. <laughs> they're a little. I think that their writing is a little subtler than the Strylon's writing is. Yeah. Um. Which, like, the first read-through, I completely missed that John was so funny. Mm-hmm. Because I was so busy, like, just being overwhelmed by, like, all of the personalities. Yeah. But going back and reading it, he's extremely funny. And most of the time, he's acting like a dingus because it's funny. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, John, John, like, that's the thing. John isn't stupid. But John knows, but, like, but this is a comparison to Jake, too. Like, John knows that playing dumb is often very funny and very endearing. Right. Jake does it as a defense mechanism. Yeah, and John just does it because it's hilarious. Yeah. John has an appreciation for actual comedy. Yes, he does. He's, you know, he, he, all of, like, the stuff he's into is very, like, like, he likes Night, which is, like, this 13-year-old kid from Seattle watching Night Court. I, that's... really funny to me. I loved these kids growing up precisely because I was, like, the weird internet kid that had a bunch of, like, old older person interests. Yeah. And, and that is so many of the... That describes so many of the characters in Homestuck. There's just, like... Mm-hmm. The, you know, there's just, like, constant jokes that are really, like, not even gettable by the actual age group that, that Homestuck is targeted at. Um, right. And, you know, it's a story about kids. It's never really been a story for kids. No. And I think there's a lot of um, that creates a lot of sort of conflict in the in the community where every once in a while they can they people can convince themselves that this is a story for kids Um, that, you know, that notion is immediately disabused as soon as you look back and actually read any part of the story other than I've swap act one. Um, But like overall, it's not even. 
like adult content. The themes are just very. There's got. It's got some complex themes. Uh huh. You have to have a really high, uh, a really high IQ to understand Homestuck. <laughs> On the fifty fourth episode of of a podcast about Homestuck, we say maybe there's some maybe there's some depth to this comic. <laughs> <laughs> So let's move on to the Rose route. Um, Yay, my girl. Yes. So, uh, so, so Rose sort of introduced me to the Rose route. Like, tell me, you know, what were your thoughts coming into it? Well, my thoughts were I wanted to do two routes to both, both routes, uh, good and bad ending were basically just about Rose's relationship with her mother. Mm hmm. It's just the bad ending. It's a little harder to, to spot because <laughs> um, the wizard thing has always been about Roxy, um, in my opinion. Yeah. But um, yeah, Rose is, was really interesting because it's like on on her surface, Rose, I think people forget what a fucking mess Rose is because she she doesn't she constantly tries to make sure you know she's not right her her defense she, mechanism is that she has a big vocabulary she's always been a disaster yeah um and i i don't know i just i deeply i think i said something about um wow you're you're so glad rose is telling you about her gay wizard ocs she seems so much more interested in them than she is in herself mm-hmm. and that was like me when i was a teenager i was like i would love to talk to you about my my gay wizard ocs but I could not talk about myself. Mm-hmm. And we see like, that, I, I, like, you know, in, in Rose's introduction. And I, that's part of what I enjoy about Pester Quest so far, is it really allows us to explore the parts of these characters that, like, we didn't get to spend a lot of time with. Like, what they were doing the moment before their lives got completely appended by this thing. Um, this thing called game. Um, yeah. And, and, like, with Rose, like, she puts off this, you know, this very intellectual figure and this, and, you know, this very, like, logic and reason kind of mindset, but is also, like, obsessed with fantasy in all sorts of ways. Like, right. she's constantly Rose lost is in kind it. kind of, like, what would a 13-year-old goth think is sophisticated? Yeah. Is kind of how I wrote Rose. Mm-hmm. Which is good, because I was a 13-year-old goth mm-hmm. um, about 17 years ago. <laughs> But, um, so yeah, I, I just, I thought about, and, and, and Rose, I think writing young Rose as opposed to writing older Rose is similar, except she's as young, she's a little more insufferable. I think this is, Um, you're preemptively answering a question by Cinemari who asked what the difference between writing those two characters was. Right. I mean, she's even in the epilogue, she is still up her own ass. Mm hmm. Um, but it's in like a way, it's almost in a, um, a self-referential way now. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just her brand. Um, but even in the epilogue, she continues to be ridiculous. Yeah. Like she, she has spent like, Kanaya's just so t- like over her, just like languishing around the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's John got a very Victorian in, affliction. Yeah. John comes in to find her like passed out elegantly on the chaise lounge or whatever. Uh-huh. Which I'm, which I'm sure she, you know, um, did for effect before he came in. Right. She, ex- right. That's <laughs> the thing is, is like, there's this part of her that absolutely loves being the, like the, the tragic woman dying of consumption in a, in a, in a penny dreadful. Right. <laughs> because she's just kind of that bitch. Um, who, yeah. Oh, she's always been that bitch. Yeah, she's always been that bitch. Like, you know, Rose is... Rose is one of the things that I liked about the Rose route was, you know, your description of her sort of theatrical nature where she's, she's really constantly putting something on. Right. And she spends the first few acts of Homestuck doing that. Like when she's like before, uh, the, before the brood fester tongues get her, Mm -hmm. um, uh, she spends all that time making like magic wands and crystal balls and, and uh being a wizard and <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 very funny. strange off by herself yeah 
and and it's it's interesting to me too because I think about that a lot in terms of what I see in the earlier acts as an almost envy from Rose towards Jade. Um, you know, Rose's preoccupation with predicting the future and making crystal balls, et cetera, and like witchy shit. Um, and then like this girl who has always known the future because of just some clouds, um, like gets to be the witch. Right. And, and I think that's very interesting. Like how Homestuck, Homestuck almost always gives what you want to somebody else and then makes you look at that other person and think about what that means. I think Friska even tells John that Spurb does that. Yeah. Like Spurb doesn't give you your, it gives you something to challenge you. So, you know, it gives the goth the light planet and the light power, Mm -hmm. which is just completely antithetical to everything she is. Uh (laughs) I think it's interesting, though, that Vriska said that because Vriska was not particularly (laughs) challenged by being a thief of light. Oh, no, I agree. Vriska's challenge, although to be fair, Vriska's challenges came from many, many other angles. That's true. I mean, because I think that, like, so ideally, if Rose was going to choose her own, I think that she would want to be void. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Rose's aesthetic is, like, shrouded in mystery. Yeah. But then her power is literally, I know everything. <laughs> like, that's so boring for Rose. Uh-huh. Right. I Someone think. obsessed with the mysteries of, you know, mm-hmm. with the unknowable, with the eldritch. Right. And, and then Roxy, who's just very, like, matter-of-fact and, and like, eh, is the one who gets void, the one whose power is literally to make something out of nothing. Right. And, you know, we got to explore pre-scratch Roxy a little bit more in this route, um, which, you know, as, <laughs> as, a, as a MILF connoisseur, I obviously appreciate. Um, yeah. Uh, also, you know, you, you managed to sneak in a reference to a 19th century short story. Um, yeah, I, uh, the late, I, the lady or the tiger, I was initially going to call before we decided to go with quotes. I guess, I guess they do say the lady or the tiger. Yeah. But, um, I think the lady or the tiger is a really, if you don't know what it is, you can just Wikipedia it. Yes. But it's like basically a short story about a king who um, his the way that he decides on someone's guilt is he does a game of chance. So he puts the accused in front of two doors. Behind one is a beautiful woman that they can marry, and behind the other is a tiger. Mm-hmm. So they it's just a 50-50 chance whether they get married or they're devoured. Uh-huh. Um, and if you don't want to read the, the short story, there's also the They Might Be Giants version um, where there's no man and the lady has laser eye vision. Yeah, that's also, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a good one too. But so like the point of it is kind of like, it's an unsolvable problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what Homestuck is kind of an unsolvable problem. And here we're kind of going through a different, we're picking another door now. So maybe Homestuck proper was the lady and now we're picking the tiger, but who knows, right? You're saying that MSP reader got tiger? He he may have got they may have got Tiger. <laughs> I found it one of the thing one of the one of the things that was most illuminating to me, um, and and most like of course was to see uh, John and Dave immediately use like he pronouns for reader, and to have Rose who had already at the age of thirteen in two thousand nine written a fictional character that used the, like neutral pronouns. Um, yeah, called Mosses. Yeah, using that for for reader and you know. Being and you know the 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 girls chat using it for reader, right? Yeah, I didn't think I thought it would be completely unrealistic for these two kind of edge lord thirteen year olds in two thousand nine to default to they them pronouns. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I saw some people being like upset by reader being misgendered, and I I, I mean also reader is. I don't know if I reader's pretty gender fluid. So I don't particularly think it would even bother reader. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, they are canon. They, them pronouns. Yeah. And I mean, you know, re- when reader has worn clothes, they have all been either neutral clothes or like very feminine clothes. Right. <laughs> Man, I love it. Well, I, I, I feel like, well, I mean, like, are there real masculine clothes? 
I mean, yes, because you see the um, the 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 boys in home. You see, like John and Dave make these very masculine outfits. As the oh, like thing. suits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess one of the reasons that um, MSPA tends towards femme is maybe because I tend towards femme, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like writing a lot of their outfits. Yeah, but um, yeah, maybe we'll have to put them in a suit at some point. That'd be, that'd be choice. I would, I would, yeah. They'd absolutely, that little, that little orb would absolutely slay in a suit. Oh, I love my orb. <laughs> I love that orb. Um, it's a good really, orb. They're really going through it right now. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess they're sort of always going through it. There's really no, no rest for the, for the reader uh, <laughs> of MSBA, <laughs> um, which is a metaphor for how we're constantly being tortured by Homestuck. Right. You're here forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, there was, a, there was a lot of pathos about not remembering their friends over the first two volumes. Um, yeah. Sad. Yeah. On, on a story level, it would be very hard to navigate this plot if Reader remembered everything. Mm-hmm. Because the first thing Reader would do would be like, oh, hey. Let me tell you everything that happened in Homestuck. Yeah. And then John would be like, what? <laughs> let's speed so, run. Let's speed run this shit. Any yeah, per- let's any percent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No depression run. <laughs> <laughs> Remix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. And I just like. When I think Rose's home life, what is it? Alcohol and wizards. Yeah, alcohol like. and wizards. You know, uh, the, the I, like mom's drinking was one of those things that, like, at the start of Homestuck, like both mom's drinking and Dave's abuse, uh, the assorted like, dick by, butt. By, yeah, yeah, the assorted dick butt, um, and like Jade's, you know, Jade's lack of a parental figure at all. Like these things were sort of treated in this very texturally silly fashion, like encouraging you to go like, ha ha, ha ha ha, what? Um, and, yeah. you know, cause like to prompt that discomforting reaction of not knowing how to react to something. So you laugh. Um, right. and you know, I think for the first, for years, the fandom of this comic, like took that dissonance and took that like discomfort with these characters situations. And they sort of just, tried to keep laughing at it and Mm -hmm. like, you know, made bro and mom, these very silly figures. And like, um, you know, you see that in the initial characterization of both Roxy and Dirk, where like Roxy's drinking is also at first treated as this like silly, fun, funny thing. Um, like her typos are, are, you know, funny jokes. Um, but with this route, you know, you got to immediately sort of grapple with, well, how does Rose actually feel about this? How does, right. how does her alcoholic single mom actually like impact her life? She got real raw with it. She got her, you, you got Rose Lalonde's armor off, which is a, a big, which is a, a skill of MSPA reader. Right. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's pretty easy to be honest with a cardboard cutout. Yeah. Um, with but- a friend shaped being. Yeah, I I did. I thought a lot about mom when I was writing this, um, just because obviously not a good mother figure. Yeah. Uh, Bad, bad, uh, bad mom vibes. But also thinking about and and knowing that to a certain extent, the Guardians probably knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And and. In knowing that, you can kind of sympathize, though not excuse, Roxy's alienation from her daughter, knowing mm-hmm. that she is going to lose her. Yeah. And this, um, and Roxy also, like, you know, obviously we don't know how this ends, but, like, Roxy had previously lost a daughter that was in her care as well. Like, you know, Joey just disappeared out from under her. Yeah. Yep. And so that, you know, that also presumably impacted, like, her feelings towards, towards Rose. And, ob- and of right. course, like, out of all the Guardians, um, Mom most obviously knew what was coming. I mean, she had a whole lab dedicated to, to Spurb and, like, right. and, but, you know, tracking and, its impacts. 
Yeah. And, and like, like with, with bro, like a lot of, a lot of what he did was probably preparing Dave for, you know, for the, for the game, but that doesn't excuse it. You know, it's well, like, it's cool exactly motive, not, like Dirk's you know. philosophy in the epilogues, which is that conflict is necessary for character growth and for anything to mean anything. Right. And yeah, so he, I think that bro did a terrible job. But from his perspective, I think that he thought he was helping. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the the stuff that that makes you able to get through Spurb is not the same stuff that makes you able to, you know, grow into a healthy adult. Yeah, with healthy relationships. Yeah, yeah, it basically wrecked everybody. Yeah, so it, it's not a it's 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 a game that directs your development as a person, but. Not, but in a kind of nefarious way. I mean, you right? Know. It's like, what if, what if you, what if you were brought up to win in a video, to win a video game yeah. rather than have a life? Yeah, and it sort of deconstructs this idea that you see of like, what are the protagonists of our video games like? Right? Like, they become these people who face incredible challenges and like have to respond to them with violence almost all the time, um, and. The figures, like the the NPC figures in this game, are just like stupid little salamanders that like don't mean anything, right? And the game yeah. tasks you with caring about them in a way that I don't think is particularly effective at, at building empathy. <laughs> right. But yeah. The a- only the only person who's ever like managed to deeply empathize with their denizens was a uh, Arcjack Vast Error. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Arcjack just loves those little snakes. To be fair, John also like cared about the salamanders a lot, and, and he, he did go and live with the salamanders in did. the epilogue. He, he did. felt most at home with them. Yeah, and that's interesting um, to think about in terms of like you know John's ability to ignore depression for like ten years and like compartmentalization yeah. is like John preferred the company of these one note NPC figures, right. Which is, yeah, and I mean, everybody's issue with in the epilogues is pretty much, I am going to ignore my problems until they go away. Oh no, they didn't go away. It's like how Dave and Carcat can live together for seven years and never even hold hands. Mm-hmm. It's just like, we can just pretend it's not there and everything will be fine. Yeah, I mean, the status quo becomes extraordinarily appealing um, when you have known when you have you have temporary like comfort when you're used to being hurt um it is it is very easy to settle into a routine that doesn't hurt even if it's not fulfilling right which is like why i think that carcat is the one who just systematically kills it through both routes in the epilogue because he's the one who is not afraid of conflict yeah he thrives on it. I'm gonna go instigate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I gotta get shit popping. Yeah, that's Carcat. <laughs> um, J.R. Hyde asked on Discord, from the first decision in Rose's route, neither choice leads directly to a bad end. How did you decide to write it that way, and from how early on in the writing process was that planned? Um, Pretty much when I sat down to write it, I just, I, I don't know, I, I feel like that it was less of a story convention and more of just like, oh, this would be cool if there was no bad end. It was just like a longer end. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I've messed with the, I've messed with the, um, the formula before, like with Chixie's route having three good ends or two good ends mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I just thought, what if this one just didn't have an instant death ending? And I... I was like, when your character can literally pop in and out of existence and go anywhere, like, that's easy. Yeah, I have to imagine that some of the writers are going to take very unusual approaches to structuring their routes. Um, yeah. You know, obvi- it's it's obviously interesting to see, as as we talked about, like, the first time you were on the show, when Friends Hem started, um, it was very, like, by the books um, before being broken down, right? And everyone was sort of finding their legs and wanted to, to stick to the formula for a little bit. And that also fits with how Homestuck started, right? Like, the first right. few character introductions are all pretty much the same set of motions and the same sort of silly gags. And, you know, it repeats and repeats until it starts getting weirder and weirder each time. And it eventually breaks completely. Um, and, you know, Pester Quest is a game that starts with, it starts much more confidently and it's and it's knowledge that like you know oh we know what we're doing here now <laughs> yeah 
We've played. We've uh, we've been down this road. We know some lore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the MSPA reader just so mad that the epilogues were so unsatisfying there at the end that they just like fucking yeeting, yeeted themselves into the story. Yeah, they didn't get mad at Homestuck. They got even. Yeah. <laughs> this is the message. Um, <laughs> um, let's see here. Let's see. We're almost done here. Uh, y- you've been sort of elucidating your process for writing Rose the entire time, but, you know, let's condense it into a set of principles. Girls and Dave Cass on Twitter, tips for writing Rose. Um... I don't know. What I would do is I would come up with a, um, like a, a big word, a, an unnecessarily large word for something. And then I'd be like, oh, let me make sure if I'm using that correctly. And then I'm like, wait, I will use it even if it's not correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because Rose, I feel like, I feel like she could just play anything off because her confidence is so like her outward confidence is so, so much. Um, so basically just kind of swallow it, swallow it, act like you swallowed a dictionary mm-hmm. um, is my first piece of advice. And also just like, you know, we've all, I mean, not all, but many of us have been sad, gay weirdos sitting in our room trying to, be cooler than we are. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, I have a deep well of that. <laughs> yeah. I think also that Rose is like constantly probing for weaknesses in the people that she's talking to. Yeah. Um, you know, and under the guise of psychotherapy often. Um, right. But you know, like, uh, she amasses, she amasses conversational weaponry just in case right, well- it becomes necessary. <laughs> She she maneuvers reader into a position for them to call her out on the wizard thing and mm-hmm. then gets mad. Yeah. Because she's like, I hate wizards. Hey, now look at all my wizard fic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, it's, a, it's a wizard cry for help. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that's this is something that I always think about. And this is this is something that I think about with Lunar Sway, where I find Durst characters are almost always wanting something other than what they're saying and like playing a different angle. Whereas prospect characters are often like pretty much want exactly what they're saying, but they're often extremely awkward at expressing it. Yes. And that's, I'd say that that's probably accurate. (laughs) (laughs) That's my general shorthand for thinking about it. I really do. I really do keep that in mind when I'm writing. Um, Partially because when I, you know, fucking, scuba dove back into the homestuck fandom like the extended zodiac was one of the newest things so thanks for that um oh yeah (laughs) and and uh that's our show uh you can find this show at perfectly generic podcast.com on itunes spotify google play store overcast wherever you get your podcasts um this show is listener supported and i wanted to thank our uh our skylark patrons bq bucky grant carmen dervich b finn hickey Ghost Rally, Ginger Slap Notion, Hair, Alexander Strider, Homestuck is Good, actually, Isaac Chapman, Jay Logan, Conduit of Queerness Itself, Kansas Just Got Gayer, Krista, Locri, Luke Beeman, Max May, Paravelax, Rose Reardon, Serena Game Girl McCarthy, Taylor Dierks, Tina Kell, Vris Communism, X-Teen, <laughs> Yo Johnsif, Yo It's Crow, and Zach. Um, yeah, Zach. Zach. We love you, Zach. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. You and I and Crow are going to be at a live show in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, uh, October 26th at the Pit in Chapel Hill. Um, yeah. And uh, that's a ticketed event. You can go get tickets. Uh, PigeonPod.com slash live. There's a link right there. Um, I am... I am mega excited. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. We're gonna have a lot to talk about that day. Um, you know, Homestuck. The Homestuck Renaissance is alive and real. Um, and I just I, I love seeing you guys. I can't wait. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I you know as as I mentioned last week on the show, like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna be doing fewer shows in the future. I want other voices to, to do, you know, to I want you to hear from other voices as much as possible. Um, but I'm going to keep doing live shows because I love meeting people. Um, and uh, let's see here. Next week, uh, Jennifer Galesbrecht joins, uh, joins us to talk about her new novel, The Monster of Ellen Taven. We're also going to talk oh about her God. work. Oh my God! 
guys, it's so good. I'm obsessed with it. I, ju- I got a review copy. I got to read it. I'm going to sit down and, and, and start reading it right after we get done here. Um, I can't wait to talk about it. We're also going to talk about her work on the Homestuck epilogues. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited for that episode. Um, you know, the, the Homestuck epilogues happened like six and a half months ago, and, and you are still the only one who wrote any part of it who's come on the show to talk about it. <laughs> so... <laughs> 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 I'm so glad that Jen's coming on the show. I didn't know that. Jen is awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to her. Um, and uh, let's see. You can find me uh, at twitter.com slash gambligman8. Um, my main got suspended, and I guess I'm just never getting it back. Um, oh, cool. Due to a phone number. Like, my phone number got added to a different account for a podcast, and then I just couldn't reassign it. And then they locked me out, and now they're just never giving me my account back. So now I'm just, my main is gambligman8, I guess. <laughs> Um, I mean, as it sh- as it always should have been. Yeah, it's true. We knew where this was going a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Aisha, where can folks find you? Oh, I'm on Twitter at Aisha Ufara. Um, I have a website, which is just AishaUfara.com. has a lot of my writing. I had a uh, story come out this week in Uncanny Magazine. Um, it is a queer retelling of Beauty and the Beast. Um, you, I think that the... You can buy the issue now for four bucks, or you can wait until October 1st when it will be up on the website for free. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Um, and also, please contribute to Aisha's Patreon, um, because then you get yeah, to join got- her, her uh, Discord server, which is a PvP-enabled zone. Oh, my God. <laughs> That is a, it's a, it's a demilitarized zone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's effectively, it's, a, it's, it really is. It's, it's, it's Camp David for Homestuck. Yeah. We really, we got an eclectic bunch in there. I'll just say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Thank you. See you next week. <laughs> See ya. Snake Solutions LLP.